0: but uh, <laughs> oh man! Well, I'm I'm continuing uh, teaching on the power of the picture. Uh, this will be part three. If you haven't wa- watched the seen the first two, uh, you can go back on online char- carrierchurch.org or carrierchurch Facebook if you would like to watch those. Uh, but uh, turn to Mark chapter four, and we'll start there. Uh, the Word of God. I'm not going to spend much time in in uh, Review, but you'll you'll be able to jump right in with where we're at. Uh, Mark chapter four. Jesus had been speaking on the parable of the sower. Uh, he's continuing with that line of thought here, and uh, I'm just gonna we've we've talked uh, in a little more depth about some of the other verses in in the previous weeks, but I'm going to stay with just the, the simple statements here. But, but the thing I've used every week in, in talking about this is is uh, the statement or the thought uh, is a picture's worth a thousand words. Now, we've all probably heard that. We've all probably seen that uh, or heard that statement and and something being said that just paints a picture or, or that we, we see a picture and no words have to be spoken. But Jesus always, He he taught often in parables. And one of the things that we see here, I love this, uh, after teaching about the parable of the sower and teaching about the seeds and that some would produce and some wouldn't, and what the the things that would would take that away or keep that from that. In verse 30, He says, uh," and then He said to them, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? And with what parable shall we picture it? Now I grabbed a hold of that word because that word or that, that that one verse because he paints a picture again with the understanding of the seed and the process that it takes to produce. He says, you know, what picture do you have? See, I asked, I asked you this the last few weeks: what picture's running through your mind over and over about your life? Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in ten years? Let me let me ask you this. Aren't you where you thought you'd be? In many cases, you're you're living out what you allowed to dominate your your thought life, your picture, the, the things that you saw. And and if you if you can't recognize if you don't recognize that, it could be that you just didn't really place anything as your goal, as your as your picture. Uh, you know, there's certain things that I that that Sue and I talked about when we were dating. I remember in high school, we were sitting out, uh, our senior year, and we were sitting in Nash, Oklahoma, out next to, they still did the elementary school, uh, basketball games in Nash, in the old, in the old high school that was, I think mom went to high school there. Uh, and, uh, but it was now, then the, 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 the elementary school, the Jet Nash had been the high school and everything was moved over to, or high school was all moved over to Jet. And, but soon I were sitting in my pickup. And we were talking about what we saw ourselves, our family like. And we weren't engaged yet, but we knew—I yeah, knew. I mean, you know, I was like, "Man, you know, this is awesome. This is this is it. You know, this is the one." And uh, she was obviously <laughs> felt the same way. Uh, you know, I mean, it's like, "Wow, yeah, no, we we were we were starry-eyed kids and all that stuff." And 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 yes, just kids, but we were sincerely talking about how we saw our future. And we both said we want four kids. It's interesting because I came from a—I've a, a, got three siblings, so there was four of us, and and she had two brothers, and and so uh, we both come from you know decent sized families, but but we saw four kids. We wanted four kids, and and so that was one of the pictures that when we were when we got to number four. And there were times we put big gaps because of things happening in life between the first two and the last two, so they're strung out in age a long long ways. But we saw those things. So see, let me ask you something again. Where do you see yourself going? Because I think the value of what we see is very important. And let me ask you this. Who's painting the picture for your future? Are you listening to... What reports are you listening to? What are you feeding on? What are you allowing to create the image on the inside of you that's going to help to perpetuate where you are? We need to go to the Word of God. He needs to be involved. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. We need to have Him involved in every aspect of where we're going, of how we're seeing ourselves. We've got to be careful what we allow in and what we feed on. Uh, In fact, that's one of the reasons some of the seed in earlier in the parable of the sower or the parable of the four soils, depending on how it's, how it's titled as in, in your Bible, uh, but there were, there were some that produced and some didn't. And what, what came in to destroy it? The, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, or just the things of this world just choking that out. And that can be all those other influences, all those other things we listen to, all the other things we allow to create that, that, that picture of defeat, of 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 loss or of victory and good things. And so all those things can be can be important. Jesus painted a picture also with his words so that we so that we saw it. But but what do what do words or images do? They they uh, they settle in our mind and our thinking, and they begin to shape As I talked about our vision boards and how how, how taking a vision board was so important. Uh, to draw, laying out pictures, photos on that vision board of what we want to accomplish, what we want to do. Some of you sh- some of you might should uh, maybe uh, it might help to gain a picture, get a picture of you strong and healthy. Get a, get a picture and put that up there, and because they're, they're, you're battling some things of not not that, that are contrary to that, it might help us to to not be overwhelmed, you know, uh, with with the health challenges and things that we're doing. Uh, I, you know, I remember when my, my, I broke these two bones in this hand playing softball when I was about 29 or so. We were a state, state tournament for uh, a USSSA, uh Arkansas. You know, I don't know. It was, a, it, was a, it was a big deal to us at the time. And I'm, I was playing right center field, and there's a ball hit in front of me, and I'm going to make it out because, I mean, we were getting beat, and we needed an out. And it was a you know, there were two outs and I need we needed that out. So I dove for that ball and I caught the tip of my glove and I bent my bent that hand back and broke those two bones in that game. Well, okay, so uh I, I was I was it was not healing. And, and, and I, I mean, it was, man, a doctor kept telling me I had that cast out to here, couldn't use these fingers at all. I mean, man, it was, it, you know, it was uh, six weeks in, in the cast. And he said, well, when we get done, if it doesn't work, we'll just put screws in it. No big deal. And you'll wear a cast another four weeks. And I'm like, uh-uh. You know how hard it is to operate? I mean, you know, when, you're in the, when you break your wrist, you got your fingers when you break these bones in this hand, they come out here. You can't use that hand. It's like, it's, it's, it, you realize how, how difficult it is to go to the bathroom and get dressed and all those kinds of things with one hand? Some of you have experienced that. It's a difficulty. It was a challenge of life. I wanted my hand healed. So I'd, I'd, I'd begin to, to I put that out there. I said, okay, Lord, I'm shaking here. I'm in fear. All I could hear was, this is probably not going to work. We're going to have to put screws in. So I to change that picture. You remember my illustration last week? I said change the channel. Sometimes we get this channel, we get this picture, we get this this thought in our minds that's not according to the word of God, and we need to change the channel. And sometimes the only way, to, or, or the only way to change the channel and to get it to the correct channel, maybe just taking the word of God and is taking the word of God and feeding on it. So he says, "What, what shall we picture it now?" Uh, let's let's leave that scripture and let's go to uh, let's go to Mark or Matthew chapter. Uh, Matthew chapter six, and I, I didn't read the rest of that because I want to stay with. Uh, I'm not trying to just pluck one little verse out of a, out of a context there, but <clears throat> we've we've studied all those around it uh, in previous sermons. So, want to want to uh, go with and understand this verse in Matthew chapter six, um, and I switched Bibles. I'm using the New King James today uh, instead of my NIV. I went back to my good old faithful. NIV that I, or I mean New King James that I've preached out of so many so many years, but uh, in this passage of scripture, in verse um, in verse twenty five, he says, "Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink." nor about your body what you'll put on, is not life more than food, and your body more than, clo- more than clothing. So he paints a picture here with his words. He says, do not worry. In fact, he gives them a command, and he says, do not worry. Now, I love the original King James. The, the, uh, it says, take no thought saying. Man, I, I, I love the, the, the comparison there. You know, in one translation, NIV, New King James, all, uh, everybody but the King James says don't worry at least what i read he says don't worry now in the king james original king james he says take no thought well let me ask you something where does worry take root where does worry begin in our minds our spirit man's not worrying why our spirit man is reborn. Our spirit man's in tune with the Holy Spirit. that the, the that's the new part of us, the recreated part of us. But man, my mind has to be renewed. It has to be worked on. And and where's the where's the devil's playground in our mind? Where is the where is the, the the things that can contradict the promises of God, the Word of God? It's in our mind. I mean, where, where our mind can either be our our greatest asset or our greatest enemy. And and whether or not we can take the worry or overcome the worry is going to de- be dependent on, are we taking the thought that causes that worry? He says, take no thought. Don't take the thought that rejects or goes opposed to uh, the Word of God. Now, I am not saying, you know, the world, what the, what the world and some religions and things take, it, it, and uh, they try to take the Word of God and warp it and twist it into just mind over matter. We're not talking about just mind over matter. We're talking about allowing the Word of God. Remember, Jesus taught in parables. Why? He's creating a picture. He's painting a picture. When I listen to the Word of God, when I read the Word of God, what am I I doing? I'm I'm creating in me a a mindset. I'm creating in me an ability to see myself, image or see myself as God says I am. What did you have to do as a born-again Christian? First thing, one of the first well, the thing you had to do was receive the free gift, but you had to be able to see it that God would really actually do that for you. You had to, we had to see, we had to have the uh, gain the understanding of what that what that looked like. But how many times? I don't know about you, but I I I struggled for years or, or or at least a length of time with the idea that I was good enough. Because I really wasn't, but I had to take the image of. I'm glad there wasn't any amens right there <laughs> when I said I wasn't good enough. Yeah, see, we we, we none of us are, but we, we can either take the image that the devil tries to th- t- tries to tell us you're not good enough. You can't. I my my statement always was I can't do this Christian thing because in my mind I had all this list of rules and regulations that were given that I couldn't perform, that I couldn't stay with, consistently uh, live out to perfection. So the devil's image or the thought or the the idea was that the thought was, I I can't do this. But the Bible says, the Word of God says, that we receive that free gift by grace, unmerited, unearned, that that we have been given the, the right to be children of God, that He's not condemned us. So we got to take the Word of God and replace that thought. we got to take the Word of God and, and overcome those things. So we got to make it where worry is concerned. We have to choose what we're, what thoughts we're going to take. See, because the, the thoughts of reality are one thing, and the promises of God are another. We need to ask ourselves, God, what do you say about this situation? Now, I'm not saying we just pull any old thing out of here and just... Blab it and grab it. I mean, I'm not saying that. I am saying, though, that we go, and we'll we'll look at it more in a a little bit. You'll see how we take the Word of God, we spend time with the Word of God, and we get God's specific word for our situation so that we're not just grabbing any old thing. We're grabbing the the words from God that He's given us for our specific situation. Uh, So... We need to talk. We need to talk to our situation instead of about our situation. If all we're doing is talking about the problem, 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 instead instead of talking to it by taking the Word of God and applying it, then we're not going to be effective. So that's review from the words before or the days before. Let's turn to Second Corinthians. Oh, wait, wait, uh, gotta stay here while while we're here. Jesus is talking about. Uh, them, their needs being met by God. And in verse 33, we're just going to jump ahead to verse 33. He says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So Jesus challenges them. He says, listen, just put God first. Put, put the kingdom of God first. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because I want you, I want to talk to you today more about, like we have been the last few weeks, of how to get the right picture on the inside, how to change the channel. If the channel's not good, you need to change the channel. If you're watching something that is absolute junk, what do you do? Sit there and keep listening to it, keep watching it. No, you get up, you change the channel. Well, you don't have to get up anymore. I used the illustration last week about about how how uh, uh, you know back in when I was a kid, you had to go up there and actually physically change the channel. But Second Corinthians chapter ten, a familiar passage to you. But the reason I went to this Bible that I'm in right ha- right today is some of the commentary in this is is uh, is really really good concerning this. He says in verse three, he says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to." the to to the flesh. In fact, let's let's back up. Let's back let's back up and re- read verses one and two. Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse one. It says now I Paul myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in the presence I am lowly among you, but but being absent am bold towards you. So he says, Man, I, I may have been pretty timid when I was there, but I'm gonna get bold with you. There's times whenever I'm 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 Bold, and there's times I, I might be the same way. Verse 2 says, But I beg you that when I am pres- uh, present that I may not be bold without the confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Now, he was dealing with some things that were people who were, try- who were attacking his ministry. He was deal- that was part of the motivation here. But he said, listen, I want I want you to I, I want to be bold with you that you understand I'm not walking according to the flesh. You know, if I if I could uh, uh, always I, I spend time being careful about how I say things so that people don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I can tell you this that we want to be we want to be bold in the things of God and be correct as well. But verse three, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. He says, though, though I, you see me in flesh, and, and sometimes I think he, he might have been just indicating, now, you know, I, I, I'm I getting riled up a little bit because I'm being attacked or I'm being opposed. And, and I'm getting pretty, pretty strong here, but I want you to know it's not from a flesh standpoint. It's from a spiritual standpoint. I, I want you to understand the battle that we're in is not in the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of The Word of God. The will of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So he, he he catches them at the end and he says, now just remember I want you to work on you first. It's kind of what that, that verse six kind of stands out to me is uh, just make sure you work on you first and then start correcting everybody else. Hold everybody obedient. Just make sure you got you in order before you're holding everybody else in, in, in obedience. But notice, notice what He says, he says, cast down or pull down strongholds in verse 4 the, with the weapons of God's warfare. Pull down those strongholds. Uh, and then he says, cast down arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now that word obedience is interesting. I've got in my in this Bible, I've got a, a Greek word definition from Strong's Concordance, and, and it means uh, from the word hoopo uh, is under, and I, I can't pronounce Greek very well, but a k o u o means to hear. So the word signifies the attentive, attentive hearing. So being obedient means that we, we, we're in a place that we want to be where our thoughts are concerned, be have obedient hearing or, or attentive hearing, be listening, not the way you listen to your wife, men. Man, I didn't even get a joke there, y'all. Are y'all waiting? Man, man. Not the way, not the way we listen to somebody we're not interested in, but attentive listening. See, sometimes we, we maybe y'all weren't. Oh, look at you! You told. Oh, look at you! No, <clears throat> but uh, but obedient, tentative hearing, to listen with compliant submission. See, can we listen to God, be obedient to the, the things of God, be willing to be yielded to hear Him in, in agreement? It, it is the use for obedience in general, for obedience to God's command and for Christ's obedience. So, so that's what that means when it brings brings to obedience of, of Christ. We want to we bring our thoughts captive to be obedient to Christ. So, just focusing on just, we're going to talk about the rest of that in a little bit. But just thinking about that, so where are our thoughts being established from? Where's the, where where are they? what are they being obedient to? Are they being obedient to the news media? Are they being obedient to, to uh, uh, you know social media? Are they being uh, obedient to what are they are, to, are they being obedient to our fears? Are they being obedient to and limited to those that are feeding into our lives that might not be taking us towards the things of God? I want my thoughts to be obedient to Christ. That means if they're yielded or obedient to Christ, attentive to hearing Him, then I'm going to sort through everything else. So. Let me let me read just a little bit about this pulling down of strongholds from this Bible. The commentary here it says, strongholds are first established in the mind. That is why we are to take every thought captive. Behind every struggle is a is also our stronghold is also a lie. You gotta think about what a, a stronghold, something holding our mind in a place that God wouldn't have it be. That could be in fear, that could be in worry. That could be in defeat. That could be in sin towards sin. It, it could be towards a, a limitation, even where God's promise, promises are concerned, that, that we are held captive, that stronghold. There's also a lie, a person, or I mean, a place of personal bondage where God's word has been subjugated to any unscriptural idea or personally confused belief that is held to be true. Behind every lie is a fear. And behind every fear is an idol. Think about that tie-in with those things. See, whenever we have a, if we have a stronghold that can't be broken, it'll be it'll be held to us or led. uh, We'll be locked there, led there by a lie. But how do we offset lie a lie with the truth? So we go before God and we say, God, I want my thoughts to be obedient to you. I want my I want those things to be established. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna go to God. I wanna I want I want to hear what is your way? How do you uh, help me to to remove and overcome those areas of weakness, those areas of fear, those areas of uh, that are that are strongholds in my mind? The Lord gave me this this morning, and I and I wrote this out, and I was. Uh, sometimes I write things out and they don't sound as good. I reread this to my wife on the way over here to the church today and she liked it. So uh, uh, that's that's good enough for me. If you don't, then uh, no, it d- doesn't matter. <clears throat> but listen to this. When we cast down arguments, so he talks about removing those arguments. When we cast down arguments, we're closing the door to wrong voices that create wrong ideas. So when we cast down the argument, not the argument Not just any old argument, but an argument against the truth of the Word of God, an argument that would lead me to a place of a stronghold. When we are bringing thoughts captive to Jesus, and we are opening our thoughts to God, then we are opening our hearts to our thoughts to God's leadership. So, when I when I bring my thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, I'm opening myself to God's thoughts and His leadership. We are, we are yielding then to his voice and we're getting his plans so that our mind is clear and our vision plain. See, if we can if we can take those things, if we can take the word of God and we can pull down a stronghold that would hold us in a place that is not God's best, that would that would hinder us or limit us, and we could take the word of God and we could shape those thoughts, pulling down those strongholds. And and uh, and every high thing that argues against God's word. Now, what what the kinds of things are we talking about? We're talking about things that keep us from enjoying the benefit of God's goodness and His grace. Anything that would that would say, "Well, you can't you you can't make it in this life. You, you're you're stuck. This is as good as it gets." Whatever image that might be, or or uh, that would drive us to be in fear, to be limited. We need to stand against those things and uh, allow God to begin to shape and change those things. Um, <clears throat> that uh, The next thing that I want to talk about is how do we destroy strongholds? Because that's the the first thing that in creating that right image is that we need to make Jesus Christ our source. We talked about that over the last weeks. The, the second thing was that we need to take no, take no thought. Don't allow it to stay there. You know, one thing about thoughts, always remember this, uh, it's like a, the birds of the air can fly overhead. Just don't let them make a nest in your hair. Just don't, don't allow that thought to remain. We're going to have thoughts. You know, uh, I had a, a man in our men's Bible study who made a comment. He said, I see a beautiful woman and I feel convicted because I recognize the fact that she was a beautiful woman. And I said, well, you can recognize the fact that she's a beautiful woman. Just don't, don't, don't allow the, any other thoughts Go where they shouldn't go. Don't allow the bird to. The bird can fly over, and, and, and we can have a thought of jealousy or envy. It can be. It can be a lust, not even a sexual lust, but a lust for you know uh, somebody else's stuff. See, some guys you know drive by pulling a nice sweet boat, and you want a boat. What 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 can you do? Envy. You you can lust. You know, I could, I could go to some of your houses and see what you're driving or what you're seeing. I mean, Megan got her a new car. I could have I could envy because of that. Or I can celebrate the fact and love that. See that thought passing by is not sin, but if it if it settles in and then I begin to yeah 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 yeah, all these other thoughts, then I've allowed it to camp out. So I don't want to do that. I want to, I want to celebrate the, the, the goodness of God for somebody else and not allow it to control me. So destroying strongholds, how do we do that? We bring those thoughts into obedience of Christ. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> obedience is that, remember, that willingness to hear, willingness to listen from a position of submitting ourselves so that when that thought comes, when, when that direction comes, we'll, we'll take it instead of that destructive thought. Now, the other things we need, to, we need to do, we need to recognize a, a lie when we hear it. So how do we do that? We use the weapon of God's Word. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 4. When we look at Hebrews chapter 4, I, lo- I love this. Uh, there's a lot here, and we'll try to trim it down to the last 10 minutes here. But uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Jesus is... Uh, or I mean, uh, the author here, Jesus didn't write Hebrews, uh, okay, but... The author of Hebrews, most most many believe it's, it was the Apostle Paul, uh, but it says, "Therefore, verse one: Since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear lest anyone, uh, any of you, seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it, for." For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. So he he separates and he dis, uh, 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 separates and divides the, the between those that received the word and mixed faith with it. In other words, they heard it and received it, and those who didn't. He was talking about the children of Israel at the banks of the Jordan when they came out of Egypt and they were ready to go in. God was ready for them to go in, and they said, "Huh." The giants are in the land. They took a wrong thought. And in fact, they, in Numbers, they, they go to the, 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 the point of describing themselves as grasshoppers in the sight of the people on the other side, when in reality, the people on the other side were already shaken in fear, hearing of what the God who was bringing these this people in was able to do. But they bought a thought. They bought a lie. They, they hadn't lost or removed the image of themselves as slaves. They hadn't, hadn't left the, 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 the mindset and the idea of we can't. They didn't understand that God was with them. All they had to, all they had to receive was the promise of provision of the rest of a, of a land flowing with milk and honey, houses, uh, cities, Wells, vineyards, all the stuff taken care of. Had they had they just trusted God? But they had this mindset, this mentality that they couldn't erase, and so they spent forty years in the, in the wilderness. Those people dying, and another generation rising up. That what could see themselves going in and taking the same land, the same land with the same God. Now. I, I think that's important that we understand that, that, that there's a mixture. See, we receive God's blessing, God's forgiveness, God's grace, the, the salvation relationship with Christ because we mix that word with faith and, and we walk in it. So going on in verse 4, he says, For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this, that God rested on the seventh day from all his works, and again in this place, Thou shalt enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, it, that those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of their disobedience. Talking about the Israelites not receiving Christ uh, as well. Verse 7, again he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it is written, today, if you hear my voice, hear the word, do not harden your hearts, So he quotes that scripture, he brings that understanding in, and he says, if you'll hear my word. See, what did Jesus teach in? A parable. How did he teach in parable? With words. What did those words do? Create an image, create a picture. When they heard the word, when we hear the word, can we allow the word or will we have a hardened heart that says, oh, but I can see, I can see it. I mean, it's right here in front of me. I can feel it. Or, or yeah, but yeah, but this expert said, you know, we're in a recession. This expert said, oh, this is gonna be, it's gonna be hard. Man, I hate to hear when, when, when somebody gives a, a, a report from the doctor, and and some people's first response is, well, it's gonna be a long road. I'm always praying for a quick recovery. I, I, I you know. Long road may come. I mean, if it's a long road, then praise God, God's going to give. And if it's a long road, I've been down some long roads. I mean, I, I mean, I just, I'm, but I'm trying. Okay, so if it, if it is a long road, you know, we are responsible to be saying, well, God's grace is sufficient. His strength is, is, enables me. He gives me everything I have need of. The Bible says I can do all things through, through His strength, through God, who through Christ, who gives me strength. My God is able to provide for me all my need, met. emotional, physical, financial, mental, wisdom, opportunity, whatever it is. I, when I read that, I see no limits. Now, this shouldn't, I hope this doesn't upset anybody. If it gets on your toes, praise God, God's trying to straighten us out. That's a wonderful place to be. I need straightened out once in a while. Some of y'all are working on that. No, you're not really. Well, yeah, you probably are. <laughs> but you know what? That's the that's the what what thoughts are we going to take? See, that's the challenge to us. He says, if you today, if you'll hear my voice, do, do, do you remember that illustration in in uh, in Numbers and Exodus? And I don't remember chapter thirteen. And man, I mean Joshua and Caleb, remember they sent the twelve spies in. Y'all sang the little little song, uh, 12 spies went into Canaan, 10 were bad and two were good. That's about all I remember. I don't even remember the tune for right now for some reason. But what, what, what what did the two, Joshua and Caleb, what did they shout? No, let's take it now. Yeah, there's giants. Yeah, there's walled cities. But it's just like God said, and He's backing us up. He just took us to the Red Sea. I'm sure they were up there, you know, giving the whole picture. Dude, come on! If it had been today, or at least in my day, it would have said, "Dude, come on." See, see what? What do? I, listen, I, I didn't say it, it wasn't there. They were, and you know what? Joshua and Caleb weren't denying the existence of the of the walled city, the battle that was before them. They were simply, instead of talking about the problem, they were talking to the problem. How? God said, "We can take it now." God brought us to this point to carry us through. He didn't take us to this point to see us fail, to see us fall. And I know you know that. But I pray there's people all across the internet. I mean, that, that that will see this as well as you. That we're challenged with the fact that praise God when we tap into the things of God, we can either take a thought worrying, taking a take a thought saying, "Well, I guess." Yeah, sure was good to get out of Egypt, but doggone it, I guess it ain't too bad out here. No, what they were saying was, well, let's just go back to Egypt. I was comfortable there. Man, I tell you what, there's times when we got to be shaken a little bit. We got to use the weapon of the Word of God. He said, if you'll hear my voice, I didn't even plan on, I didn't even plan on camping out on that. But man, I tell you what. I need, I got to hear this. You do too. We do too. We got to hear the Word of God if we'll hear His voice. Now listen, let me just tell you this. Sometimes His voice isn't easy to hear. Why? Because we're overwhelmed like a tidal wave by all the stuff. And you know what I've done? When I had to hear God's voice, i get away from all of it. I mean, there, the, the times when I had to hear God, I'd go off and I'd fast and i pray and i seek God. i I get away from all the other voices, good, bad, and otherwise, so they could hear God. Why is it so important to get up in the wee hours of the morning when it's quiet and still? So we can allow Him to lead us to the plan, to develop the picture on the inside, to give us the vision. And let me tell you, it it changes sometimes with time. We start one direction. Even the Apostle Paul did that. He started a direction thinking that was where he was supposed to go, and he was willing to change and adjust when the Holy Spirit directed him otherwise. And I tell you what, take the Word of God. So that's how we pull down strongholds with the weapon of God's Word. Let me me read you this understanding. Okay, well, we got to get on down there. We haven't even got to the real good part yet. And I'm almost out of time. Verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would, have, he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remained, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his work as God did his. Let me read this commentary. It says, Just as God rested from the, his works in creation... The one who trusted in Christ rests in what God has done for him. See, sometimes we just need to rest in the fact of God, what He's done for us. He has ceased from striving to achieve salvation by His own efforts, and in daily life has begun to learn a dependence upon the Holy Spirit's help. I tell you what, that's what I finally had to do, is just start pursuing God. Quit trying not to sin. Just pursue God. Quit trying to not sin. You'll work yourself into a frazzle trying not to sin. You know, my new hashtag, I, I haven't actually made it yet, but I thought, you know, everybody wants to do a hashtag. Hashtag smart hard work. You know, we gotta work hard. Everybody says, work smarter, not harder. No, you just, just mix smart with hard. Then you'll be, then you'll be really good. Same way we're living for God is concerned, not working for our salvation. But but working towards pursuit of Him, working towards pushing that performance mentality out, working towards following Him. Allow Him to shape that. Enter into His rest, the rest that God, you got this. I mean, even working at trying to hear His voice sometimes is is, is it, it, you know we'll get met. we'll get things muckled up. Verse eleven, there's a country word muckled up, didn't yeah. you? 11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, verse 12, this is what I wanted to get to. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. See the value of the Word of God in using it to shape our goals, our thoughts, our ideas of where we're going. The importance of that is because He'll reveal to us. He'll separate out our motives. He'll separate out our our pursuits that are fruitless, that are wasteful. You ever you ever climb a you know you know climb the ladder of success and realize it's leaning against the wrong building? It'd be a bummer, wouldn't it? You ever, you ever go You ever go through years of doing something and you realize, man, this just wasn't quite what I thought? You ever bought something, realized, oh, man, that wasn't such a good deal. I've done that. I've done that in houses. I've done that in vehicles. I've done that in trailers. Realize, oh, man, it's a bummer. Thank God he can he can he can help us to he can help divide those things up if we'll allow him to. Okay, so the word of God is powerful. Let me let me read the word powerful. It means it's that it's one of those power words. There's there's several Greek words that mean that have a meaning and are in English uh, are termed power, but this one stems from energius, which in, in the Greek is 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 used elsewhere, but it denotes something at work, active and effective. It, it is the uh Opposite of Argos, which is idle. See, his words active. It's not idle. It's not static. It's active. So let me close with this. You got to understand the difference in Raymond Logos. And man, this is so good. He says, The power of God, the power of the promises of God's word. This text is, is among the foremost in understanding faith's call to take the word of God and confess that word. The lesson related to Israel's renunciation of God's promise in which they resulted in the whole generation dying in the wilderness and a failure to possess the inheritance God had intended for them. In this context, the Bible describes it as the Word of God as living and powerful. The term for word here is the Greek word logos, which commonly indicates the expression or the complete idea or use of the referring to the whole of Scriptures. So so the, this is the, the, the logos, meaning all of God's Word put together with the whole, full idea. In contrast was rhema, which which generally referred to a word spoken or given, a single word. This recommends, uh, recommends our Understanding the differences between all the Bible, which is the Logos, and the rhema, a single spoken promise, where God is concerned, the Spirit may bring to our mind from 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 the Word of God, when facing a situation, a need, a trial, a difficulty, the promise that God uh, God may it may become a rhema to you. That is a a weapon of the Spirit, the Word of God being spoken. You know, I'm going to close with that, but, but that's, and I've got more, but, uh, but I tell you what, if we can take the Word of God, spend time pursuing Him, shutting off, closing out all those arguments that go against the Word of God, spend that time with Him and allow Him to speak from this Logos, the whole of God's Word, a Rama specific word to me. This is your promise, this is your strength. When we're in fear and worry, he says, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. Man, I, that the peace of God passes all understanding, floods your heart and your mind. Guard your heart and your mind. Keep and protect your mind. See, it's, it's taking those words in those times like that and beginning to stand on those, allowing them to be living and powerful. Dividing out. If I'm in the flesh, if I'm, if I'm in fear, if I'm in wrong motives, if, I, if I'm allowing th- things to influence me, it shouldn't be. God, sort it all out. Guide and direct me. You know, as we close, today is just a, is a, is a a, an opportunity for us to reset. I, I feel like every Sunday is an opportunity for you to set your week up. I feel like we ought to do that every day. Man, what a—I I don't always see it that way, but it's kind of a reset day. If you need to reset your mind, man, I do sometimes. I fought thoughts all day. All—I mean, today doesn't seem very old, but mine started at 5:45 this morning, preparing to preach you a message and set aside all the other stuff. Whew. Sometimes we need a reset. God, I trust you. I'm gonna guide and direct you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today. And Lord, as we as we bring this service to a close, I, I pray, Lord, that you would you would stir in us this word. That Father God, you'd help help us to paint the right picture on the inside. Not anything from our flesh, not anything with wrong motives, not pursuing the wrong things, but Lord, absolutely not letting wrong things create an image in us that removes or, or, or limits us or, or keeps from us your best. Lord, we want to be the best men, the best women. That we can be. We want to be the best dads, the best grandpas. We want to be the best employers. We want to be the best employees. We want to be. We want to be the best student or or child. We want to be the best that we can be. And Lord, we can't be the best without having you shaping our thoughts, di- dividing between what's what's fleshly and what's a spiritual thing, dividing between what's what's opposing the things of God, arguing against the things of God. And what's what's bringing us into that place of of the blessing, of the benefit of of what you provide. Lord God, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice watching or sitting right here, that Lord God does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Their thoughts are full of reasons why they can't accept Jesus Christ. My Bible says, the Word of God says that no sin is too great for God that the blood of Jesus covered them all. And Lord God, I pray that for anyone watching or anyone sitting here that needs to receive Christ, surrendering their life to Him and receiving the free gift of salvation, that Father, I pray that You draw them by Your Holy Spirit right now. Make them so uncomfortable that they can't miss the fact that You're drawing them by the power of Your Holy Spirit. And Father, I thank You that they'll know that they are loved by God who was willing to die for them. Now, Father God, I praise you and I thank you that they'll cry out to God and they'll pray this prayer that says, Jesus, if you'll have me, I'm yours. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and create in me the person that you would have me to be. And Lord God, I give you of my past, and all of my failure, and all of my sin, and I receive in exchange a life, new life in Christ. Lord God, I praise you and I thank you that for anyone who prays that prayer with that heart can know that they're born again, that Jesus is their Lord, and that they can now step into that new relationship, and I pray they do that in Jesus' name. Amen.